Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. My San Diego Padres are taking on the Dodgers. We've got Braves, Phillies, Mariners, Astros, Cleveland, and New York. All of the playoff action is here, and BetOnline has you covered with all the props, parlays, odds, and promos for this week's action. Head over to BetOnline and use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to get a 100% welcome bonus. That's right, 100% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy Podcast, live on the Believe Podcast Network. Except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. Welcome, 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 everybody. It is Wednesday, October 12th, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is that you may be listening. Make sure to download, leave a five-star review, subscribe, do all the good stuff to help support this wonderful channel and support our dreams by also supporting the people who support this show. Whether that be Believe, Bet Online Sportsbook, or our friends at AndCaller.com who are helping to make Blake Jude and I's magical road trip possible, support the people who support this show. We have got a fantabulous show coming at you today with our friend Razor Rosenthal. This is our, I mean, it's one of my personal favorites of the year with Razor Rosenthal, where we get to record live in the middle of of playoff baseball because these next two days are going to be the days when playoff baseball is on from 12 o'clock in the morning central standard time until 12 o'clock p.m central standard time noon to midnight playoff baseball through and through you get to listen to us watch game one of the phillies and the braves super excited about that and we're going to talk about all the playoff baseball series we're going to talk about bill's chiefs week because again it's bill's chiefs week and we are going to discuss the wonderful, fantabulous college football weekend that is upon us, where you will hear that I might be tempted to pick the Tennessee Volunteers straight up against the Alabama Crimson Tide. Will Razor talk me into it? Will he give us the gambling analysis? Who knows? But we'll dive into all of that and more with our great friend, Razor Rosenthal from Beer Life Sports, Beer Life Official, and uh, well, Razor Rosenthal just does all kinds of great handicapping stuff. So he's got a gambling expertise, of course, but at this point, y'all know Razor. Y'all know the dynamic we have. He joins us frequently on the show, as he has been for now two consecutive full football seasons. I'm always excited to talk with Razor, and we're going to have a fun conversation and watch some playoff baseball along with you here on today's show. All right, everybody, I am super duper excited to tell you about andcaller.com. 
You know how I always say, support our dreams on the show? And Collar is literally supporting our dreams. They are covering expenses for Blake, Jude, and I to meet up in Salt Lake City and watch Arizona play Utah. This road trip was a joke that Blake, Jude, and I came up with back in August. And thanks to And Collar, it's actually going to happen. If you go to andcollar.com, and there's a link in the description to this episode, you can shop all of your wardrobe needs. They've got shirts, polos, blazers, pants, socks, and more. My new wardrobe is coming in this week. Super excited about that. For our listeners, And Collar is offering two promotions for you. Two promotions. Number one, all orders over $100, And Collar is going to cover the shipping. $10 to $15 free. They'll cover the cost. And two, any orders of $40 or more will get a free tie when you use our promo code EASY. That's E-A-S-Y with the link in this episode at andcaller.com. That's andcaller.com. Support our dreams by supporting the people who are helping making those dreams possible. Hi, Razor. I'm doing great. How are you today? I'm better than the Atlanta Braves, I can tell you that. Yeah, this is my this is one of the, my favorite shows that we do during the year, which is we happen to be recording while live baseball is going on. Uh, last year, I think it was like the White Sox and the Astros, and then this year it's Phillies and Braves, and Phillies are Phillies are beating up on them with like six singles and a double at this point. For I yeah. mean, people who are yeah, listening, man. it's the third inning at this point. Yeah, Max Freed really struggling. I mean, two outs in the first, pretty two two quick routine outs. Top of the first and then three consecutive singles, giving them a 2-0 lead, the Philadelphia Phillies. And now uh, six hits, four runs, and we are just uh, through uh, two and two-thirds for Max Reed. He is a really bad outing. And this kind of just shows you, uh, do the teams with the buys who did not have to play in the wild card series, are they a little rusty? And obviously, we have a couple games to figure that out the rest of the afternoon and evening. But kind of scary if you have the Houston Astros, the New York Yankees, in the Dodgers because these teams are coming off battle-tested wild-card rounds. Those guys are not rusty, um, but we'll see how their pitching holds up. I think that's the major advantage when it comes to rest. Definitely the rest favors the pitching staff, not so much uh, you know the hitters when it comes to the uh, the teams that did not have to play in the wild-card round. Yeah, and and Freed is someone who, you know, we knew the whole way they were going to be the game one starter for them. So I thought it was super fascinating that he gives up a whole bunch of hits early on. The Phillies sacrifice bunted with Bryce Harper in the third inning, and it wasn't like a, a big situation like that. It was like runner on first and no outs, and they chose to sacrifice bunt with Bryce Harper. I couldn't believe that. Well, situational baseball, I think we saw that with Juan Soto in game three against the Mets, right? So I think uh, you're trying to you're trying to get runs with a pretty weak bullpen that the Philadelphia Phillies have. So I think manufacturing runs is so critical against the Braves because the Braves can basically they can hurt you at, at any position seven through nine and obviously one through three. So I like the call. And right now they're sitting at a really good spot. I think if you bet them live, you're probably going to pay a huge price tag on the Phillies. So uh, the books think the Phillies are going to take care of business right now live. And uh, I guess we'll know better when this uh, podcast is released in a day or two. 
Yeah, this this podcast will come out either Wednesday or Thursday. And uh, I, I think if we're going to talk baseball, it might be better to do it Wednesday, because by the time you get to Thursday, you know, a bunch of these games will have already played two games in the series and others will have one game down. Uh, what have you made so far with the uh, the gambling side of the baseball playoffs, either games that happened over the weekend or the four series that are uh, getting going this week? Well, I can tell you this, and, I, and I've, I've always encouraged this, especially with women's tennis, is bet live because the Mariners and the Blue Jays, not a better example when you start to see momentum transpire in that Blue, Blue Jays game when it you know kind of got to 9-5 or 9-6 and the Mariners kept putting guys on the base and you're getting a chance to bet the Mariners at plus 250 when they're down three runs, but yet they have the bases juiced. Um, I, I, I did a lot of live betting during the playoff series. You, you felt momentum in a lot of those in the Padres game. I, I bet the Padres at 2-0, Kyle, in game three, and I only had to pay a price of minus 190. The books really thought that the Mets were going to still win this game, and I got I think anything under 250 was a heck of a bargain on the pods. And Man, they played really smart conventional baseball. Obviously, you had a great outing by Joe Musgrove, but more importantly – Man, the middle of the lineup and even the bottom of the lineup coming up huge for the pods. So again, I think it's too late right now to bet the Phillies in a situation like this. But if the, you know, if I was available, and of course I want to watch this unfold. I'm not going to do this by looking at a, an app. I want to watch the game if I'm going to bet it live. So watching the Mariners, great example there. Got plus money down nine six, and the bases are loaded. Man, I was just, I mean, I was very lucky to win that bet, but I've done uh, more live betting uh, over the wild card series than, than I did uh, pre-flop. A good example, the Rays and Indians, uh, excuse me, the Guardians, I should say, I don't want to get in trouble. Uh, you know, you look at what's unfolding in, in those matchups, in those two games, just hit the under button on the live bet. Uh, pretty much every other inning, I'm like, they're not scoring. It goes from six and a half to five and a half to four and a half. It just just kept getting easier and easier. So again, read the room. Uh, I like betting these live. I have a pre-flop bet on the Braves today, so I'm not giving up on it. But this was the first pre-flop bet I made in a while in the playoffs this this season. And unfortunately, it, it, I may be paying the price for it. Do you think that this is a, I mean, base playoff baseball is ridiculous. And I said at the beginning that if I, uh, if I had been forced to pick the four wildcard series, I think I might've gone over four in terms of the teams that I probably would have leaned towards winning. Um, so do you think that this is a, this is a situation where we should start to maybe sell futures on the Braves or maybe start buying in on the Phillies, or do we just kind of play the waiting game, watch what happens on Wednesday. And then, you know, by Friday, two games will be done. It'll be going back to Philly. We'll, we'll play it by year with this series. Not selling the Braves, Kyle, to answer your question. This is still probably the second best one through nine lineup in, in, in the whole game of baseball. You could make an argument. It could be number one ahead of the Dodgers or the Dodgers are one A and one B. So uh, they lose this game. They're still probably the series price probably even money. So I, I'm not selling on the Braves quite yet. If you want to take the Braves, obviously you're not going to do it right now. You're going to wait for them to lose the game. You could probably bet the series price right now live, but that's foolish. I'm um, not selling on the Braves, not buying in the Phillies. I think this game is is important to win. Obviously, you always want to win game one in a best of five series, but uh, no sell right now, no buy either. I, I think this is not a shocker. The Phillies uh, coming off a, a really nice performance at St. Louis. So We've seen this happen before where the wild card team comes in the division series 
gets the first game because they're riding on momentum. But I can see Atlanta still winning the series 3-1. So uh, I'm not I'm not too concerned if you have a Braves future to sell or buy at Phillies. I, I'm laying off right now. Let's just see what happens game two. All right. That's kind of the strategy I'm taking for most of these because playoff baseball is random and fun. And I'm super fixated on the Padres, of course. This is the second time in my memorable lifetime that they're playing a a division series playoff. Uh, Obviously, they got swept by the Dodgers because everyone got hurt in the playoffs last year or two years ago for the Padres. What do you make about the Dodgers? What do you make about that series? Uh, Even if there's some gambling to it, I know you said you're going to get in on the live action during some of these games more so than than pre-series or pre-game betting. Uh, What do you make of Padres and Dodgers? Well, I think the Padres are going to have to get production right on the top of the lineup. They, 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 they're not going to beat the Dodgers if they're relying on the bottom of the lineup like what we saw in Game 3 in Flushing, New York. It's not going to happen. The Dodgers are going are gonna to create, create a lot of opportunities to score a lot of runs. I think the play tonight is the Dodgers. I think I think a, a run and a half is still very fair. I think the price tag on minus one and a half is probably under the the market of minus one thirty. Uh, I think this is a team that is probably uh, a little fatigued. That that is an emotional win in New York. A team that you know people thought w- we're going to take care of business with their two pitchers in Scherzer and Degrom. That wasn't the case, and the Padres are maybe they are playing on house money right now, playing with house money. Uh, I still think this is a really good Padres team, and and I, and I think the staff is good enough to hang with the Dodgers staff. I just don't think the power is there. One through nine, there's a huge discrepancy on any given day in, in Major League Baseball when these two teams compete, and we saw that in the regular season where the Dodgers completely dominated here. The Dodgers, if they don't come out flat tonight, I, I think it's a, it should be an easy win. I, I don't. I see the pods. Maybe grabbing a game in this series. I think the the value is to bet the Dodgers not just to win the series because the price tag is going to be pretty high, but maybe by a game and a half. You can find that at a couple books where you'll probably pay maybe minus one twenty for the Dodgers to win uh, either three zero or three one. That's kind of my position here with San Diego. San Diego is a very good team, but I just don't see them doing any damage. How can the Dodgers lose a game to the Padres if they play up to their potential? I just don't see it. I I like the Dodgers to win this series 3-0-3-1. And tonight's obviously the one that I think, I mean, it'll be over by the time people are listening to it, but obviously it's Ordias, it's Mike Clevenger, who's basically the fourth starter for the Padres. Um, There's a big ERA discrepancy and uh, the Padres can hit left-handed pitching. It's just really interesting because the Dodgers have Urias and Kershaw back to back. And that's going to be, you know, a big part of why the Dodgers are expected to go back to the World Series as they are most years is because, you know, they trade out Walker Bueller. They trade out Dustin May. Craig Kimbrell's not on the postseason roster and they can just slide in uh, whether it be. Uh, Urias and then Gonsolin coming in on the back end as a reliever and then putting those that seven, eight, nine relief pitching in like the the Dodgers are just stacked in the pitching staff. And like you said, the Padres had to claw with their way to uh, a first, I guess, first round is what we'll call it. Wild card victory against the Mets. I I could see it. And I'm taking the same perspective as you. I'm playing with house money as an emotional Padres fan. I am. uh, I'm good with where we are. Anything after this is gravy against the Dodgers. I'm just happy to be here and happy to (laughs) I'm adopting the same philosophy as the Mariners. Just happy to be here. Happy to be enjoying playoff baseball for my hometown team. Yeah, I think it's house money for both Seattle 
in both San Diego. What's unique about these two squads is that they know and they're familiar with their opponent. Obviously, they've played them a ton, both in the AL and NL West, so it's a pretty unique dynamic here. I, I give the Mariners a little bit more of a punching chance than, than, the, than the Padres, which – you know, if you would have said that to me a couple months ago, I said, no, nah, no, nah, the Padres, Padres may have a 35, 40% chance to beat the Dodgers, but the Dodgers are just so loaded in every single position. Houston does have a few holes, but here's a unique stat about Houston. As long as they play during the day against the AL West, and when I mean during the day, before 7-10 Eastern, they don't lose games. I, I saw a remarkable stat there, Kyle, where Houston against the AL West, I think, has won every game but two during the day against their AL West <laughs> opponents. I don't know what's in the air during the sun. There's no sun inside the dome, but they win during the day, and I like Houston today uh, against the Seattle Mariners. And I give Seattle a really good chance to win a game uh, in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, Northwest that's going to be probably the most rapid crowd of all eight venues uh this divisional series in my opinion and astros have verlander and then valdez and i believe that's all we know so far in terms of their um their playoff matchups at this oh i think they'll have mccullers go game three but i think houston it's just the respect that i they've houston has dominated for so long that i just respect them on another level and i look at the series numbers i'm like I know the Mariners have scored a lot of runs towards the end of the season, and I know Castillo has has been a stud, except for, or when he plays the Oakland Athletics for some weird reason. But other than when he plays Oakland, Castillo's been a stud. I guess for me, it's just the respect of years of seeing Houston dominate these types of series leads me to believe that if I had to pick one of the four series that I felt most confident in, it's probably Houston over Seattle. Well, you have a right to think that. I just think that Seattle's a sneaky place to play, especially if that game is in the evening. And I think it's unique that they were talking about moving the Seattle Seahawks game to a a very early start time on Sunday against Arizona to perhaps 10 a.m. Eastern, uh, 1 p.m. on the Pacific Coast because... The Mariners are playing that afternoon evening against the against the uh, Astros game three or four. So uh, that will be really interesting to see what happens. Keep your eye out on that if you're a Seahawks or Cardinals better, which I know is not what we're discussing, but it does correlate. There's a likelihood the Seahawks will be moved to a 10 a.m. Pacific uh, slot next Sunday, this Sunday for week number six. That's super interesting, right? The NFL King Sport has a monopoly over the sports landscape that baseball would end up forcing the NFL to relocate their schedule. It, it seems unheard of in, in the modern times of sports landscape being dominated by football as our only national sport. Rumored to be not 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 a sure thing, but I was listening to this and I'll credit the Visa Network, who, you know, is going to provide credible sources that that is a possibility. The NFL is in talks with the Seahawks and the Cardinals to see if if they if they uh, would be able, intrigued, whatever word you want to use. I don't know. 10 a.m. football doesn't sound too appealing for a lot of people, but we'll see. I mean, listen, they're playing games in Europe that really screw up your schedule, uh, your sleep, and everything. So obviously. We saw what happened to Green Bay. Anything could happen. But, uh, yeah, I think it would be good for the city of Seattle to have a chance to cheer on their Seahawks and then move on to watch their Mariners play. 
Yeah, I think I'm, I'm looking at the schedule and obviously they can move stuff around if there's no game fives, but it looks like 12 o'clock West Coast time is when they're planning to start the Astros Mariners game four in Seattle on Sunday. So either way, it's going to overlap with football in some yep. way, shape or form. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's there's definitely there's definitely an overlap, but can this somehow not be playing at the same time? I don't know, but that's what I heard today, and uh, just thought that was a a situational uh, thing to look at if you're betting that game. Just to wrap up the baseball front for the week, um, what do I do with New York at this point? Because since April, I've been saying it's going to be Astros, Yankees, the Astros, and Yankees, and then I'm looking at what Cleveland has done, and obviously Tampa Bay struggles to hit the ball, but I'm just looking at what t- what. Cleveland has done and it's like the respect has been beaten out of me at this point for Cleveland where I look at them and say um I can't explain why the Yankees are going to beat them I just feel like the Yankees have been a better team all year but I know playoff baseball isn't conducive to that sometimes so what do I do with the Yankees at this point first of all Cleveland doesn't lose okay I I think out of the the 30 game sample size of the last 30 games they played they've won 24 I I could be wrong but I thought I heard that not surprised if that's the case because they obviously clinched the central uh quite early uh this is a this is a good staff um they have pretty good hitting one through four I would say very good hitting one through four I think they've almost match the Yankees in some capacity, throw away Aaron Judge's ability to hit home runs because I think Francona will not allow that to happen, right? If the pitch count gets to, uh, you know, 2-0 two, two and oh or 2-1, or and one, I think it's almost an automatic walk at this point with, with Aaron Judge. So um, I think the Yankees are deeper than, than, than the Guardians, but I don't have, like, you probably don't have a ton of confidence in the Yankees, right? I don't either. No. I, 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 don't like, I don't like a play on this series. I don't even like... Garrett Cole tonight. I think he's. I just can't trust him. I think if the price tag is under two dollars, maybe take a stab at Garrett Cole and you can lay the dollar ninety. But that number keeps rising. It's a live bet for me, Kyle. And I really hope that the Guardians take an early lead and I'll get a good price on the Guardians and just play them on the money line. Maybe I get even money if they go up two zero. So, um, stay away from me. I don't trust the Yanks. I don't have a good vibe with with Garrett Cole. And, you know, you take away the whole judge thing. I mean, these guys aren't hitting that great. They are so inconsistent. I've seen the Yankees break my heart betting them against the Orioles, betting them against the Rays. They went on a really nasty streak in late July where they were losing tons of games. Guardians are hot. They don't win pretty. They don't, I mean, they they did win pretty against the bad teams. They did take care of Kansas City. They scored a couple touchdowns against the Royals. But uh I I just I just don't like this series. Let it unfold. I'm gonna bet it live tonight. Yeah, and I think I'm kind of in the same boat because it's the same Yankees team I've been watching for the last five years, which is they hit a lot of home runs. You've got question marks about the bats. We just heard LeMahieu's going to be out for them during the series, which LeMahieu's been a disappointment, but it's still an important bat in the order. I And the same thing I've been saying for six years, never know who's going to start game three for the Yankees. You never know. They they only have two good pitchers. It usually rotates. You If you don't even trust Garrett Cole, what's going to happen when they get to, I'm guessing, Luis Severino in game three, which is far from a guarantee. It's like when they threw out Tanaka for all those years and it's like, oh, you don't really trust that going into a game against I'm guessing Tristan McKenzie, who just pitched an eight inning shutout against Tampa. 
Um, I, I'm with you. I just, I Cleveland has earned the respect and I'm not going to second guess them at this point because the Yankees have been worse. Cleveland has been good recently and playoff baseball is weird. So like this does feel like more of a toss up than I thought it was going to be, say like even two weeks ago. I'm with you on yep, not I'm, trusting I'm the Yankees. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's stay away. Let's kind of read the room. Let's let's bet this live. And I'll tell you what, though, if the Yankees win this game, and your series price is let's say under two fifty, I think I'd bet the Yankees up one zero, and then you can put a little bit of money on Cleveland if they start making a run at if the, if they go up two one, then you can hedge your bet. But I'm staying clear of any bets pre flop. Guardians, but I'm waiting to see what transpires after a few innings. So right now in the the Braves game, we'll we'll talk football here. But I just want to say it's bases loaded, two outs. Travis Darno, who's already hit a home run, is up to bat. Uh, Suarez, Suarez, who's the you know he's not the Phillies' best starter by any stretch of the imagination, but he's thrown like 75 pitches in three innings, and uh, this is where the Braves could possibly get back into this one. So. Uh, we'll see in a sec what happens with uh, your possible turnaround for the Atlanta Braves after we just talked about, you know, saying the Phillies were great money to to win this game. It's only the third inning and the Braves have a chance to wipe out that deficit. Yeah, I, I, I think the Braves, even if they don't put a put a run on the board here, I still think as long as they don't give up any more runs or maybe just one more run. They're okay. They'll be fine. They're going to be in positions as they are further down, the, you know, down the road here, bottom six, bottom seven, whatever it may be. They'll have bases juiced again. They'll have ducks on the pond. I'm not too worried about this bet quite yet. It gets to 6-1. I'm going to give up and call it a day. But 4-1, especially if somehow they can get additional runs, don't give up. It's playoff baseball. Anything, anything can happen here. We just saw it happen with the Mariners, which was such a cool story. I mean, I felt a little bad for Toronto and obviously the Springer injury on the last play there. But man, that was so cool to have a 9-1 comeback or an 8-1 comeback and win 10-9 with that team and the, the season that the Mariners are having. I thought that was a cool way for them to advance. Now, there was a better that cashed in the guy. There was a guy in Australia that took the live line, I think, at nine two at plus eighteen hundred. I think he laid a, a two hundred dollar U.S. bet, and that's a huge payout. Uh, wow, that's a thirty six thousand dollar payout right there. So good for him. Uh, Travis Darno struck out, so so no runs for the Phillies yep. or no runs for the Braves, despite loading the bases. Yeah, and you know Travis is a guy that. I think is so boomer bust. And obviously he hit his home run earlier, I think in the uh, bottom of the second, but uh, yeah, not the guy you want up there with bases loaded. You probably would rather see Harris out there, Contreras out there, Olsen, but it is what it is. And, you know, right now, not too happy where I stand here in this Braves bet, but maybe just maybe we find a way to win towards the end of this game. Episode four. The Holy Dodger Empire continues their reign over the West. In previous years, the Holy Dodger Empire dismantled the once great Royal Cardinals, establishing a new power within the galaxy. The Holy Dodger Empire defeated the Royal Cardinals, invaded the Mill of Waukee, and vanquished the 107-win Giants. In the meantime, the Holy Dodger Empire pillaged both the Purple Rockies and the Backs of Diamond in Arizona. 
these invasions increase the Empire's wealth tenfold. Their resources are unmatched, their power is unquestioned. With the West and the Central firmly in control, the Holy Dodger Empire sets their sights on a new conquest, the Eastern Empire State. If the Holy Dodger Empire defeats Master Cohen and his Met army of queens, there will be nothing left to stop them from conquering the galaxy. To the south, a small resistance forms in San Diego. While outnumbered and outresourced, the resistance fights for their very existence against the tyranny of the Holy Dodger Empire. It's a changing time in the galaxy. The once great Imperial Nationals of Washington have fallen. Years earlier, the Imperial Nationals once defeated the Holy Dodger Empire at the Battle of Strasbourg. Now, they find themselves bankrupt and selling pieces to the highest bidder. In this collapse, the Holy Dodger Empire captured a great captain known as Mad Max, who helped strengthen the Holy Dodger Empire's hold on the galaxy. However, Mad Max has escaped and defected to Master Cohen and the Met Army of Queens. He will spend whatever years he has left fighting to dismantle the tyranny of the Holy Dodger Empire. And now, the legendary Imperial Captain Juan Soto has joined the Resistance after paying his debt to Kara the Hutt. To San Diego, Captain Juan Soto brings with him the Imperial Nationals' mighty Josh Bell. Joining Captain Soto is Lord Hader, the supreme closer of the Mill of Waukee, called to fight by the message of the Resistance and the possibility of bringing balance to the Force. The Resistance has paid a heavy price, yet they have never been closer to defeating the Holy Dodger Empire. It's Bills and Chiefs week, so uh, I will turn it over to you, resident Buffalo Bills fan and gambling expert for the NFL game of the year. What are you looking at? What are you thinking about Buffalo, Kansas City on Sunday? Well, you know, we've had this conversation for three straight years, and, and every time I think I've come on, I say, yeah, I like Kansas City in these spots, and I think I've been right every single time except the regular season last year where I did like Buffalo uh, when when it when when it doesn't count as much, right? Uh, I like Buffalo again when it doesn't count as much. That's an emotional game, you know. If if there's, we don't have time to go into what happened last night. I mean, every I mean, excuse me, every single detail, all the nuances, right? But if Isaiah McKenzie is healthy, if Crowder is healthy, I have no confidence in this Kansas City defense stopping the weapons of what, what Buffalo has. And, of course, Josh Allen's running ability. Kansas City's defense is better, a little bit better than maybe over the last two years. But, man, uh, I think I, I think this is the perfect spot for Buffalo to be in. Kansas City, Monday night football. They went through a war, emotional win. I mean, how does how does Kansas City come out and and perform like they did against Tampa after going through that crazy W over Vegas, if they would have lost to Vegas, that would have changed my perspective. Then Kansas City may be going out for some serious blood uh, against the Bills. I like the Bills in this spot. They are the better team, both on offense and defense. But more importantly, Kyle, the field goal kicking. You do, do you trust 
whoever they have was it was it is it i don't remember his name is it right is his last name or whatever it is i, I don't I even think, know i think it's matthew Wright, but it's a different kicker matthew than Wright. it was a week ago it is yeah i mean listen tyler bass versus matthew Wright, big spot hey matthew Wright, i'll tell you what you know what changed that game last night matthew Wright kicking the 60 yard field goal to cut that lead to 10, that crowd went crazy. I'm sure that that locker room in Kansas City after Wright drained that field goal was electric. I, I like the Bills here. If you can get this down to two and a half, take it. But, I mean, I'm going to lay the, what is it, 150, 160 on the money line. Anything crazy can happen in these type of games. But let's go Buffalo um, in this spot here. It's a great spot for Buffalo to compete in with Kansas City going through war on a short week. They look great last week. You know, that's the game where you think Buffalo would be looking ahead to Kansas City, laying 14 against Pittsburgh. Money coming in on Pittsburgh, plus 13, plus 14. Never in doubt, never had a chance. Bills are on a mission, and they did it without Knox. They did it without Crowder, and they did it without McKenzie. It's not easy to beat any NFL team by that type of margin. Listen, the, the loss to Miami... Again, I don't want to make excuses for my team, but they're out of they were out of shape, right? They they were out of shape and Josh Allen made some really key mistakes for the last play in the first half in the last play of regulation. You take away those two plays where they had chances for field goals and you take away that weather, I think the Bills roll the Dolphins. So, this is the best team in the league. Maybe you can make an argument for Philadelphia, but I like Buffalo. And this is not a fan saying this because on your podcast, I have taken Kansas City in the playoffs now, I think, two consecutive years. So mm -hmm. I think Bills take care of this, this job on Sunday afternoon. And it's obviously early in the week, and we've talked before, don't read too much in depth into movement on lines and such. But Buffalo started out as even money, and now they've moved up to two and a half point favorites. Uh, money line started at minus 110, which is basically a toss up, and it's moved up to minus 150, like you said, with Buffalo. Um, so, you know, Buffalo's getting traction early on. And I I'm with you, Buffalo. This is the first year I do feel like Buffalo. I mean, they're the two best teams in football, no question. Like Buffalo and Kansas City are, I, I should say, San Francisco, Philadelphia, and Baltimore are kind of inching up behind them. But like Buffalo and Kansas City have separated themselves once again. Um, but this is the first time I do feel like Buffalo has a more talented team than Kansas City. And I think that's a byproduct of just seeing their offense be totally overwhelming. And the fact that I know now, even if they can't run the football with their running backs, they have a Josh Allen playbook and they can open it up uh, if necessary. I know they're they're trying to find a balance between calling Josh Allen run plays and keeping him healthy for the playoffs. Um, seeing that he's a legitimate number one running back for the Buffalo Bills makes me feel better about Buffalo offensively and and what they could do when matched up against a team like Kansas City. I think what Buffalo needs to do here is somehow develop James Cook in, in the next couple of weeks because he's a, he could be a star. He, he's He's got what it takes. Fumbled in game one against the Rams. Never really got back on the field again consistently. Or we can pull off a miracle, which there are rumors out there in Charlotte, but I don't think it's going to unfold, and that would be the Christian McCaffrey trade for probably – 72 first round picks for the next 72 years so <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know I, I mean I, I, cook is 
Cook is important. I think Zach Moss is kind of dunzo and Singletary. He's just a guy. He's a jag. And, you know, be, being a jag only gets you so far. He's going to make some good plays. But being just a guy in the NFL doesn't get you to the the number one spot, and that's winning the Super Bowl. I feel like every Super Bowl team has had a somewhat worthy running back, and that's just not Devin Singletary. Third and one, fourth and one, give it to Singletary. It's probably 22% chance he converts. That's not good enough. But I agree. The weapons are there. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs, Juju Smith-Schuster, the law firm of MVS, come on. You cannot compare those two to Davis and Diggs. So I like the Bills' chances. I, I think you wait, honestly. Even if you like the Bills, let's see the injury report come out. If you're willing to lay a dollar fifty. And then you get Isaiah McKenzie back, or you get Knox back, lay a dollar seventy. Not a big deal, right? We're not talking a dollar fifty to two dollars here. Probably talking a dollar fifty to a dollar seventy. I'm gonna wait it out, Kyle. I'm gonna see the report and then I'm gonna unload uh, on Friday if I see one of those three key offensive weapons return. From the Kansas City perspective, I, I know uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, I think he's like third in the league in terms of most yards without a touchdown still this year. And uh, I I pick <laughs> I picked Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster on my fantasy team, which is zero touchdowns between the two of them so far. But what, what I find interesting about this is that basically Clyde Edwards-Alaire is the number two weapon for Kansas City and Travis Kelsey is their de facto number one receiver. I think it's interesting because like obviously Andy Reid's adjusted to personnel as long as I've been alive. Like he's really, really good at it. He's the best offensive coach in the league. And I'm just interested that they've decided to just abandon trying to find the next Tyreek Hill or build out a receiving core like that and just go with Clyde Edwards Alaire as their true number two. Well, I, I think the thing that is fascinating to me, the difference between the Raiders and the Chiefs last night in the first half not the second half, was pass protection breakdowns. Uh, none existed for the Raiders. They pa The pass pro was incredible, but Mahomes had no time, right? So if you have no time, what are you going to do? You're going to check it down to the running backs, or you're going to wait for Travis Kelsey. Really didn't do anything in that game. Do, do we Do we know the stat line? I'm not talking about <laughs> Travis Kelsey. It's, it's my favorite stat line I've seen this yeah. year. Travis Kelsey had four touchdowns and 28 receiving yards. <laughs> exactly. So there, there was no time to get that Travis Kelsey, you know, slant route that, you know, typically goes for 22 yards. Wasn't there. Didn't have time. So these receivers are, uh, are not getting what they deserve because I think the KCO line has struggled this year and the defensive front for Vegas is actually really good. It's the back end that doesn't hold up for Vegas in key moments. How about the Buffalo D line if they're healthy? Mm -hmm. I, I just like that matchup for Buffalo. I do also. And, and I, it's hard to pick against Kansas city. That's kind of just a stay away on my part. And I, I just really want to enjoy that game. And I think I'm with you on the, the Buffalo point. Like they, Match up well against Kansas City. Kansas City's going to try, I assume, and run like six and a half play drives where they control time of possession. And that's just going to be difficult with uh, their offensive line. I mean, it's been better than it was like that year that they lost in the Super Bowl. But like it's it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination and, and nor will it like it's it's hard to build a perfect offensive line while having Patrick Mahomes making all that money. It's just that. 
they're going to try and control time of possession and Buffalo's defense is so good that I think they're going to be able to uh, force some punts on Kansas City, which is not something we're used to with uh, the Kansas City offense. And when they go down 17-0 against the Raiders, we're like, wow, how did that happen? Why are they punting so much? And then, you know, against a team like the Raiders, they can score on five straight possessions against Buffalo. I don't think they have that same leeway. So you make a great point real quick before we get into the next game or discussion. You said you're going to stay away from this game. And I really agree that that's a good decision to make because there are much more bettable games than Buffalo, Kansas City. It's a game that you really should invest in as a fan and not financially because anything can happen with the number two or three team in the NFL, when I mean the Kansas City Chiefs, they can come out and roll the Bills, right? If everything is working, all cylinders, Josh Allen gets hurt, Josh Allen strip sack, fumble to the house. I like the Bills, but it's not a big investment for me this Sunday, right? I agree. It, there are many other games to look at, whether it's against the spread or money line parlays that I would look at than the Bills Chiefs. You're right. It's a great game. Anything can happen. I still like Buffalo on the money line, but not a big investment game for me. Yeah, and whenever I say that, people on the podcast know I'm just giving advice to other people because I don't actually put my own money on these games. I'm not a I, I play for entertainment purposes when it comes to football. And so I would recommend to people I don't have any like uh, good advice based on my solid air quotes football expertise are, are there any games that you find more interesting this weekend from the gambling side of things yeah i like there's some opportunities for some money line parlays and i think it all starts in the keystone state of pennsylvania where i don't see pittsburgh putting up many points against tampa bay and i think tampa bay is my survivor player i haven't used tampa bay yet uh in survivor i'm still in a couple leagues kyle and there's a a lot of money on the line. Hopefully your boy Razor can maybe somehow win it, and which I haven't been able to do in the 20-something years of playing Survivor. Uh, yeah, I, like, I really do like Tampa Bay. Uh, I don't love Green Bay's value. They just don't have weapons. And you know what's crazy? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think the trio of receivers in New York is better than the trio of receivers in Green Bay. And I think if Conklin... Well, he didn't come alive last week, but he's been a beast over the last four weeks prior to this week. He's better than what they have to offer in Green Bay. And the running game. I mean, Aaron Jones and, and A.J. Dillon, my favorite duo last year, sort of disappointing where Michael Carter and Brees Hall have been a pleasant surprise. I like the Jets plus the points here against Green Bay. Don't love the minus 300 value. Green Bay coming back from England. Not the best spot. They'll probably win the game because that's what Aaron Rodgers does. He finds ways to win when his back is against the wall. But, man, the Jets are tough. They have some weapons. They can score. So, you know, I don't mind Green Bay on the money line. Um, but really kind of like the Jets at plus 7.5. If you can get over 7.5, you're in great shape. Green Bay and the Rams are the two teams that I've looked at and said the issue is personnel. It's not like scheming issues or weird fluke situations like turnovers, which are correctable when you're talking about those two teams. The Rams and Packers both feel like it's personnel issues, and those are something that if they want to turn it around, they're going to have to address in some way, shape, or form before the deadline or after the deadline when a bunch of people get bought out and you can sign them for like minimum contracts and stuff. Like 
those two teams are like the problems are personnel. They're running the schemes correctly. They're doing the right things. They just don't have the personnel to compete. Well, my stat lines in the NFL this season are pretty close to what we're getting out of Allen Robinson, right? So mm-hmm. uh, this guy is a huge disappointment for the Rams. Hopefully he, he finally figures it out at some point, especially for those that own him in fantasy football. At this point, it's probably droppable. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. I think everything's schemed up correctly. These are two tremendous young coaches that are both in Green Bay and L.A. But who's catching the ball for the Rams outside a cup? Higby at times, but you just can't rely on these guys. Carolina coming in with major turmoil. Is this the narrative where they play for Coach Wilkes? Thank God Coach Rule's gone. We got a new quarterback in P.J. Walker. I don't think so. I, I don't think Carolina's that kind of team. I just This team is terrible. Uh, they, they, they do have weapons with D.J. Moore, Robbie Anderson, but they don't have an offensive line, and they don't have a defense. I think the Rams are not a bad team to back in this situation. Definitely for Survivor, minus 10. Stay away from me, but I would ind- I would sign off on a Survivor play here with the Rams. The, the Panthers are a really bad football team. Yeah, the, I, I've I've done the Panthers rant already. I'll I'll do that tomorrow again. I've when they traded for Baker Mayfield, I I just let it all out on the Panthers, and I've been absolutely right about them for years. It just they just have made bad decisions uh, from management on down, and yeah, this it's a get right game for the Rams, but it like will. I mean, the Rams aren't like in desperation. They're just a team that's fighting for a playoff spot this year. And if you would have said at the start of the year, the Rams will be a team fighting for the last playoff spot. I think most people would have been shocked by that, but it's it's just personnel for them. And the Robinson contract, I think we can just chalk up as a bad deal because we knew what Allen Robinson was. And if you're not even going to play him or target him, then what was the point of the contract in the first place? Because it's not like Allen Robinson was going to be this all world receiver he was just a better value than robert woods Uh, OJ uh, Odell Beckham uh, in this situation. I mean, where where is this guy? I mean, is he healthy enough to come back on the on uh, for the LA roster? Because wouldn't be a bad spot to put him in, give the guy a chance because they are getting no production out of a wide receiver too. I don't know. Uh, this is a very scary situation for the Rams as far as 
uh, getting to the playoffs. Uh, if Staff- Stafford is, is about a hit and a half away from being knocked out for several weeks, then it's curtains for the Rams, right? I mean, mm-hmm. st- as bad as Stafford can be, who who's gonna who's gonna play better than him? That's currently on the roster. So <laughs> you're saying that uh, the the undying love that Sean McVay has for John Walford will not carry over at this point. <laughs> it's probably not. And I got to be honest with you, a very pleasant surprise in the Pacific Northwest with the Seahawks. I would probably make the Seahawks a slight favorite if that game was played in Seattle. Uh, it's cr- as crazy as that is. I mean, how how do you put the Rams? As a favorite against the, the high octane Chino Smith led Seahawks, I, I, I just it's a tough division. San Francisco, if Jimmy G can just hold up, play smart, conventional football, get something out of Jorge Kittle, which they're not, it's amazing how bad Jorge Kittle has been this year. Uh, I, I would say the Niners are in a good spot here to kind of run through this division but the rams you know they're not a sure thing against arizona at home even though they beat them up pretty good down in the desert but everybody does right um it's just a weird team right now weird vibe out of la we figured this out on on another show that i do that basically if there is a football god out there they they have like the deal with the devil the Niners have made is that you will be able to just like fart out pro bowlers every single year. Just people you've never heard of will turn into pro bowlers and they're going to have 10 on the team every year. And also all of your pro bowlers are going to get hurt when you have to replace them with new pro bowlers because I don't understand how they just keep finding great players and their offense has been average and their defense has been great. And because of that, they're going to be one of the three best teams in the NFC because Jimmy Garoppolo is somehow doing Tom Brady's whole shtick better than Tom Brady's doing it this year. And it, well, and yeah. they're great. They're getting some really good production out of Jeff Wilson Jr. and Greg Jennings. Those are two really nice, big surprises for the Niners. So I, I think the Niners are in a really good spot. I, I think I'm a ve- I'm very close. I want to see them beat the Falcons. And if they beat the Falcons and can prove to me that they can go out and win a couple road games in a row, I think I'm hitting the button on the NFC West. And I don't know what that price tag is going to be on Monday, Kyle, but I think anything under 200 or anything under 220, I'm on the Niners to win the NFC West at this point. Oh, we got a base hit. Castellanos is going to score two runs. We've hit the 6-1 mark that you were talking about. Yeah, I, I'm throwing in the towel. I, I, I would imagine that's I – mean, and I'm not near the TV. I would imagine Freed's out of the game for, for the Braves at this point. Uh, that's correct. Yeah, it was throw- Jesse Chavez. <laughs> Well, there you go. Jesse Chavez is not going to get it done. He, he's been he's horrible, in my opinion. So I'm, I'm out on this game. I'm going to suck it up and move on to the to the Astros Mariners game where uh, I'm considering a play on the Astros at one and a half. But to be safe, maybe I lay the big number on Verlander day game, as we talked about against the AL West. The Astros are just too dominant. College football. I'm tempted to pick Tennessee straight up. Should I be stopping myself? No, you shouldn't. They're a good team. And, and and Alabama is not a great team. You know, and I think uh you're getting a good value at, uh, on the money line at, at plus uh what is it? plus 250 maybe a uh, uh, situation in in Rocky Top. I don't think that stadium will be as loud as it has been since probably 1998. I'm going to throw that 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 year out because they were really good that year and won the national championship with T. Martin. It's been a long time coming, Kyle, since the Tennessee Volunteers were in this position, a top ten matchup where Tennessee has a prayer to win 
not only do they have a prayer to win, but the game is finally in Rocky Top when they're good. Tennessee's offense is really productive. Their defense, not good, but they played well at LSU. Now, LSU is a bad team, and Tennessee got so lucky that that game was at 11 a.m. Central Time because that's a country club crowd at 11 a.m., Kyle. At 7 (laughs) p.m., it's super rowdy. Big difference for Tennessee. They got lucky. They got bailed out somehow with the A&M game being the feature for the SEC at night against Alabama. Um, I don't love Alabama here. Money line, spread. But I, I would say if I had to play one thing, one thing is Tennessee plus the points and the Alabama money line. You know you're going one and one. You're hoping that Alabama figures out a way to win by four to seven points. That's probably the look-ahead play for me. Alabama figures it out somehow, as they typically do. You saw what happened last week, but they scare me. They're not that great. They're not that explosive. There's no, there's no Waddle House anymore. There's no Devonta Smith anymore. They don't have these stud wide receivers. Jerry Judy, who is a disaster in the NFL, but a superstar in the SEC, he's gone. Najee Harris, the worst first-round pick in the National Football League and fantasy drafts, he's gone. He was a stud. Yeah, it's just there's not this. It's not the same personnel as what we're accustomed to in Tuscaloosa over the last five years. Alabama money line probably the play, and Tennessee with the points. I'll, I'll probably merge them together, and you, you you hope for a middle to go two and zero, oh, but you're securing your one and one bet. Ted, what was your guess for the uh, the um? Sorry, what was your guess for the money line play? on Alabama, Tennessee, if you wanted to get value on the Titan. I'm sorry, on the Volunteers. Well, my guess is going to be Alabama minus 360, and the buyback would be probably plus 210-ish for Tennessee. Am I even close to that number? You were pretty close. So according to Bet okay. Online Sportsbook, plus 240 for Tennessee okay. and uh, minus 300 for Alabama. Uh, and I think I think the the number for Alabama both numbers are pretty solid. I, I think I like the I like the number for Bama. I, I figured they'd be closer to three fifty. So I don't mind laying the three dollars, but I'm going to back that up with Tennessee plus seven and a half. If that's the number, right? Yes, um, plus seven and a half. I, yeah, yeah. I don't like it at six and a half for Tennessee. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll pay the three dollars for Alabama and then back it up with Tennessee plus the points, and just hopefully you come out of there with a field goal or five point win. How do you feel about your Wolfpack being underdogs against Syracuse this weekend? Uh, you know, Devin Leary is a huge question mark. Um, obviously, you know, if he's out, which I think it's trending that way, um, you should highly consider Syracuse in this spot uh, on the money line. And I don't know the lines. I haven't looked at any college football lines under the assumption that Dennis, uh, excuse me, Dennis, uh, Devin Leary is out. Um, I would say the cues should be made should be made about a four and a half point favorite. Uh, what is that line right now? That line is currently three and a half. Three and a half. Okay, so the the money may be coming in. Well, I don't know where the money's coming in because I don't know the opening line. So uh, I just threw out the number of four and a half. Uh, it's early in the week, so they don't have uh, money line data. But spread numbers seventy yeah. percent uh, on the spread is for NC State. Okay. All right. So. Waiting on Leary's status is going to be critical, right? Uh, Syracuse has a good defense. NC State has a better defense. Uh, NC State's offensive line is horrible. Um, They have not held up all year long. 
their running game has been a huge disappointment. Everything's been a disappointment for the Wolfpack, in, in my opinion. The only game where they kind of put it together but really didn't on offense was Texas Tech. Their defense held up against Texas Tech. Their defense held up against Clemson the first half. Uh, and their defense held up against Florida State at the end of the game. Um, Syracuse is a team that shouldn't threaten you too much, but NC State has been tested on the road in Death Valley. That should help them when they go to the Carrier Dome or whatever they call it now. Um, you know, it's a no play for me. Whether I'm a fan or not, I just don't like the value of Syracuse here. And I'm not, I'm not too comfortable betting on the Wolfpack right now with their major offensive line issues. Syracuse hasn't been in this spot since probably the Korean War, where they're, you know, a good team, six and zero. I would say the Donovan McNabb days, just to you know, be serious for a minute. The last time I remember Syracuse, you know, emerging as a good team in football, I know, you know, beating on the door to be a top 12, 15 team. If they beat the Wolfpack, they probably have solidified themselves as a top 15 team in the nation. It's a huge game for the Qs. I'm going to stay away. My initial gut feeling, probably go with the Qs on the money line. Probably going to sell at minus 160. And I like them to probably win this game. But I do not recommend investing into this game. But if you had to bet it, there's a gun to your head. And the guy next to you says, bet the game. Okay, Syracuse money line. Oklahoma State plays TCU. Both are undefeated. It's going to be fun this weekend. I, I assume you haven't done any data on that one, but do, do you find that interesting in any any way? I do. I love what Sonny Dykes has done. What I love about TCU is they didn't play well in Lawrence. I really, I think they were sloppy. I think there was a lot of adversity there to win that game. College game day was there. Kansas was playing some really good football, with whether it's uh, Daniels as QB1 and their backup at QB2. They both played pretty well. So TCU did not shoot their load last Saturday in Lawrence. So that makes me believe that they're going to be okay against the Pokes. Where is this game? Is it in Fort Worth or Stillwater? It's in Fort Worth, and early on, TCU is a three-point favorite. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I don't mind that. I don't mind taking the frogs here on the money line. Man, what they did to SMU and what they did to Oklahoma leads me to believe they got a legitimate chance to win this game. I don't like the pokes here in this spot, but I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what about Mike Gundy. Not only is he a man, he's over 40. He wins these games. I mean, I, Oklahoma State versus the likes of Baylor, TCU, Iowa State. Man, Mike Gundy's been money over the last decade. It's the games against Texas and Oklahoma for all these years where they just would always lose when they're 7-0 and or 7-1 and to take that next step. But it's the TCUs and the Baylors where, man, Gundy has just been money. It's a no play for me, Kyle. But if I had to do it, kind of like the Cuse, I'm taking the home team on the money line with a little bit of confidence. He is Razor Rosenthal. He is a gambling expert over at Beer Life Sports, and he's going to be enjoying a lot of baseball and college football and his Buffalo Bills playing the Chiefs this week. Hope you have a wonderful, wonderful time this week, Razor, and uh, we'll chat again soon. 
Always a pleasure, Kyle. And I got to say, you can measure this these two weeks up with March Madness. With playoff baseball, the puck dropping tonight, if you care about hockey. Oh, that's right. College football. Yeah, college football and, and NFL. These two and a half weeks in October, from, from now to Halloween, it's tough to beat. So uh, I, I will enjoy it. It's going to be a great few weeks. Hopefully, we, we are investing the right way. Appreciate your time, and I'd uh, love to be back on your pod in the near future. You just reminded me of something that I forgot about, which is at this point, Joe Buck isn't doing like 14 games in 15 days this year. This is the first time Joe Buck has uh, time to himself in October because he's not going back and forth from two Fox football games to World Series to NLCS. Jo- Joe Buck is kicking back and enjoying himself for the first time in 15 Octobers. Yeah, and I got to say this: I'm a, I'm, I, I may have mentioned this last year on your pod. I, I'm a big Buck baseball guy. I think he's the best. I'm not like not a huge Buck football guy, but I'm a little bit disappointed that we're not going to get Joe Buck here uh, over the next five weeks. But um, yeah, good for him. I think the guy has paid his dues where he can hang out and relax and watch some baseball like the rest of us. I think people are going to come to like Joe Davis. Once he starts calling the big games, I think people are going to are going to find favor with Joe Davis calling uh, the big Fox World Series games this year. But it will be an adjustment period, as it always is whenever you change broadcasters. People still feel weird about Kevin Burkhart being the lead voice on on Fox, and he's been doing games there for like five, six, seven years now. So it's going to take a little bit of an adjustment period, I would say. We'll be all right. We'll make it through. It's playoffs. I'll take anybody at this point. I, I say this all the time. Best playoffs belong to baseball. There it is. Yep. I'm with you through and through. It's going to be totally random. And this year, my baseball team is in it. Good luck to your pods, man. I, I hope they I hope they can find a way to win it. But again, my investment will be on the Dodgers throughout probably most of this series. Totally understandable. I picked the Dodgers in three and they'll win every game by eight runs. (laughs) I am uh, emotionally hedging because I'm playing with house money. There you go.